0: What's up, everyone? This is episode number 41 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. And this is your host, Kyle. And just a quick reminder, as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on my social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. If you're following on there already, you've seen a couple of previews for today's episode. I've got a lot to talk about today. I'm really excited about this one, so let's jump right in. Um, Last week, I talked a little bit about the Prism First Off The Line Dutch Auction. Um, You know, I wasn't a big fan of it. I thought the whole thing was kind of a big stink. I commented that I thought the product itself was also subpar. You know, I didn't like all the shimmer cards. I definitely didn't like the unnumbered blue shimmers. I, I personally feel like a lot of the value of Prism comes from the base and the base rookies. A lot of the autographs on this checklist looked rough to me. And then the fact that there were only 10 cards in these boxes, it all just seemed like a really bad gamble to me. Um, But as the week progressed, I I noticed, you know, there were still a lot of people talking about these. Um, And I saw one of my friends was buying these boxes for $500 a piece, and he wasn't subtle about it. So I messaged him and I said, hey, what, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, I've already talked about my thoughts on these boxes, so you know why are you so big on these boxes? And um, knowing that I had talked poorly about the product the week before, I wanted to try and at least present the other side as best as possible, even though I'm still not a fan of it. So I asked him to come up with a real quick summary of why he thought these boxes were a good buy at $500 a piece, and he gave me four really good reasons. So I'm going to read those for you today. Um, number one, he said the History of sealed prism, especially first off the line, shows that these boxes um, in the past have stood the test of time, and then these current boxes will stand the test of time as well. Number two, he called it the most loaded prism box ever by a wide margin um, because of those six uh, guaranteed short print prisms, and that's more than you would get out of a, a case of hobby, and that's just in one box, so that was a pretty big deal as well. Number three... It's no surprise. Zion's the headliner. As you guys know, he's one of the most hyped and electrifying players that the hobby has seen since LeBron. When you add in the knee injury and then Luka's historic sophomore campaign, um, my friend actually feels like Zion's being slept on. And then he also likes Ja Morant. So he thinks that there's a couple of rookies that can really um, push this thing forward. And then finally, number four, he said that the 10-card format is a breaker's dream. And more ripped product uh, means less supply for those who plan to hold. So anyway, those are his four reasons. Uh, they're definitely worth considering. Uh, him and I both felt like the new format, the, the whole Dutch auction, even though that's not what it actually was, we felt like that confused people. Panini probably dropped the ball there. But um, the longer this thing ran, there there was less fear of missing out. You know, people knew exactly how many boxes were left. And as things were winding down and the prices continued to drop, he pointed out that interest then actually picked up a little bit, and as soon as they hit eBay, they were $450 a piece. So who knows? I don't have any boxes of this. Um, I don't do a lot of the, you know, I don't buy wax to sit on it. I don't have that kind of self-control. I have nothing against people that do that. Um, I, I don't play the first off the line game. Maybe some of you guys jumped in and did really well, or maybe some of you are just now getting your boxes now. Either way, I wish the best for you, and I wish the best for my friend, and I'm interested to see where things go from here. Okay, um, enough about PRISM. Um, I've got a very eye-opening interview today with the um, collector that altered the 16 of 99 Steph Curry National Treasures RPA that I've talked about on here a lot. If you just started following the show, I'd recommend going back and listening to episodes 20 and 27. Real quick though, I just want to give a short list of the key events that got us to this point. So, over the course of the summer, I built a Steph Curry RPA tracker. In late August, a Curry RPA showed up on eBay with a patch I had never seen before. It was in a BGS holder. The seller had quite the elaborate story. He had the box he supposedly pulled it from and all the other cards that came in the box. However, there were some major red flags with the listing. There was a glare on the serial number and then the seller didn't list the number himself. So because of that, I started comparing it to autographs from other cards. It looked like a cleaned up version of 16 of 99. It was in fact the same one. So I went to blow out on social media. I called their seller out on it within maybe an hour of it being listed. I didn't want anyone to get stuck with a card that had unknowingly been altered. And the seller was alerted of this and proceeded to list it a second time with altered in the title and he declared that he was trying to show how easy it was to trick Beckett. So I figured out who the seller was then, I contacted Beckett, kudos to you guys, quite a few of you reached out to them as well. Turned out Beckett had slabbed the card twice, Uh, that is before and after the alterations. Uh, really, all they had to do was Google the serial number and they would have known. As Jeremy Murray at Beckett confirmed this played a major role in the company finally deciding to track serial numbers, uh, Jeremy wouldn't, however, tell me what happened to the RPA, and he told me I needed to reach out to the owner instead. So I did. And with his permission, I recorded it. Without further ado, I present to you my chat with the owner of the Altered Steph Curry RPA. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm here today with Blaine. First off, I want to say thank you for coming on. And without going into too much personal information, um, I kind of want to get to know a little bit about you first and and have a chance for people to get to know about you and maybe even your NBA fandom. Um, So just first off, how did you become an NBA fan?
1: Well, I think I've, you know, always, was a fan I, the games were always on in my home uh growing up I lived in Utah and uh, Utah Jazz were always on and you know that rivalry between the Bulls and the Jazz that two-year rivalry was kind of fun to watch and when I was a kid growing up I I you know it was like any other kid I had basketball cards and you know collected Michael Jordan and and took the time Stockton and Malone. and that's kind of the beginning of the NBA for me. It was just always, you know, something to watch and cheer for your team.
0: Okay, and, and you mentioned collecting cards as a kid. It's like everyone that I've talked to kind of has uh, a similar story to where, you know, life got in the way and, you know, people started, you know, focusing on cars or girls or school or whatever. Um, was there a time where you kind of stopped collecting for a while?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I stopped, you know, in, in my teens and didn't start again uh, until I had a little more money and a little more time and it, I think it was about eight years ago I tried to pick up um, some valuable Michael Jordans, some signed, you know, like the Star 101 card and you know, a few of those others that they're kind of hard to get your hands on so that that, that started about eight years ago and then you know, my my sister introduced me to the Warriors, and we went to a game in uh, 2014, and that's when I first saw Steph play, and I began became, uh, became a fan of his, and uh, just kind of watched him for a while, and and then later, and you know, I think it was it was probably a little over a year and a half ago, I bought my first uh, Steph Curry rookie card, and uh, and then. When it came in the mail, and you know, I I just I fell in love with those cards and it kind of bit me again, if you will.
0: Right. Okay. so I think a lot of people can relate to that. So, um, you know, you know, and everyone knows the the card that we're eventually getting to here. So um, I don't want this to sound as much like an interrogation. I want it to just kind of chat through it together. Um, So let's kind of run through the time frame. Um, we, we've got now your, your NBA fandom, and we can see that you're really gravitating towards Curry, kind of when, his, when Currymania really started to take off, um, right before their, it sounds like, before their first title run. And um, so let's go uh-huh. through this time frame together. You know, I'm going to try, I'll stop and ask for clarification on things along the way. Um, if there's anything you want to add here at the start as a disclaimer, you know, feel free to do so. Um, otherwise, we can jump right into that RPA.
1: Yeah, no problem. Go ahead.
0: Okay, um, so let's. I'm I'm assuming you really like curry, like you said. You kind of got bit by the bug. You decide that you want his national treasures yeah. RPA, right? So tell me a little bit. You know, how do you go about acquiring that? What's the process? Because it doesn't seem like it would be easy necessarily.
1: Well, I acquired uh, my first one. Uh, you know. I think about six months before I acquired the uh, 16 of 99. And so I just kind of wanted to have all of his, his quality rookie cards. And yeah, then, then as I was um, getting more into the cards, I noticed that even some of the cards that I acquired seemed to be, you know, altered and seemed to be um, modified. And I even, bought a card that wasn't graded and I could tell that the patch wasn't a, a real game-worn patch and so then I kind of realized people are modifying these cards and um, so I took a, um, a couple of cards that were of low value and a jersey that I had and I, I uh, changed some patches and sent them in to Beckett and they, they came back um, graded and, and authenticated and and so then when I saw the 16 of 99 uh, I'm a perfectionist uh, I work with my hands every day and I knew that I could make that card look better and I knew I could clean up the signature and I did it um, for the intent to keep the card from my collection but I did want it to be encased and graded um, it, it being a uh, an improved patch. I I did have the desire to have that in my collection that way. Um, I had bought uh, two boxes of of the '09, trying uh, you know trying to get the the Curry rookie right. to try to pull that miracle card. I bought those on eBay and spent about five grand a piece. Of course, I didn't get them, but that left me with with the boxes and and so. I think uh, the reason I had listed it the way I did was to try to um, make it sound like I pulled the miracle card. And the the reason that uh, the motive there for me, a lot of people thought I was wanting to make more money and I can spend little time at work and make more money there than I, than I can on cards. But for whatever reason, uh, my ego was such that I wanted people to ooh and ah about it, and I wanted, uh, you know, attention. Um, I got I got more than I wanted um, <laughs> because of you and your work. Right. And when I found out what what you did for work, um, you know, after the dust settled, I, I admired it. Actually, I admired what you do, and I I thought it was it good and good for the industry and and good for my ego that that you pulled me a little out of the clouds and. And so, you know, my, my second listing where I did admit to, to everyone that, that the car was modified and the claim of trying to, you know, um, show everyone what's wrong with Beckett was, was not um, really my motive. And I, I wasn't really trying to show everyone that Beckett, uh, that Beckett does make those kind of mistakes. I actually wasn't trying to help Beckett. it was like a evil a fake face which made me look even more silly. So the 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 biggest problem behind why I did what I did was for ego and and for you know to get that ooh and ah response from people wow what a beautiful patch you have, you know, what a beautiful card you have, what a great grade you have. Um, so I was just trying to get that response more than I was listing it for profit. Right. Um, I've never sold a modified card. I have modified a few other cards. Um, I haven't modified any since, um, since you guys pointed it, pointed out the, the silliness of it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciated the chance Kyle to, to kind of just come clean and, and talk with you about it. Um, I, I felt that when I listened to your, your first, uh, you know, a podcast regarding what I had done to the card that you had a semi-fair, um, assessment of everything. And, and I felt that if I approached you, um, and just talked with you about it, and I know you had approached me too, but I was considering approaching you and then you had approached me. Uh, I just felt that a dialogue like this would, would be good for the industry. I think it's really a, a foolish move. Um, I, I wouldn't repeat it i do have the card today uh, i i still love the card um it is modified and it does have in my opinion a better patch there was nothing wrong with the last patch but this is a better patch um you know but at, at the end of the day was it worth what i went through no way and you know there was a lot of cyberbullying and there were uh phone numbers shared online and my address and my wife's information and I had to uh, approach my wife and let her know what I had done and what I had been up to and that was you know stressful for her and and uh, frustrating for her and she just kind of like are you a little boy like what, what <laughs> are you doing like what you know what's going on here and uh, you're putting our family at risk and and so that all that is just not worth it um, right. it's just not worth tampering with those types of things
0: and I, I do want to point out that um, approach is, is huge and I always try and be cautious when I'm going about these things um, and I didn't release any I don't do spouses names and phone numbers I try and stay away from all that stuff um, just because I, you know, I don't want to involve other people but Uh, yeah, a lot of times that stuff will come out when people are, you know, learning more information about a card and and learning about what's happened to it. Um, You said a few things in there that um, I think we can relate to. And then I also think we can learn from. Um, You talked about this desire to show this card off. And I think all of us, um, when we get something really nice, we have that feeling, you know, we want to show it. We want people to say, hey, you know, that's an awesome card, you know, great job on acquiring that or, you know, great poll or whatever. That's a good feeling. Um, and I think it was, you know, obviously the, the way you went about it, as you said, was, was not correct. Now, um, I'm not here to grill you. And the reason why we're doing this is not so people can then proceed to, you know, just lay it on Blaine and grill him and all of that. Um, What he's doing here, I think, takes a a great amount of courage. And I I really appreciate him coming on and being open and being transparent with us. And I think that this type of stuff really can move the hobby forward and um, will help us to realize, okay, you know, maybe now someone has messed up. What can we do? Um, before we, we talk more about that, I wanna ask a few questions about the card though, because I think this part of the story is really, really interesting. And I didn't learn this until later on. So um, I originally thought that the patch you used in the new card was from uh, some type of replica jersey, like an authentic replica. and And I had actually found where you had purchased one. But um, after talking with you, you said that wasn't the case at all. Can you explain to us where you got the patch from?
1: Yeah, I do have all those jerseys that I hold in them and I would even send them to you and let you verify that. But um, I have a a special relationship with Stefan and it uniquely came about and it had a little bit to do with my profession and, uh, you know, I'm. I do a lot of good for a lot of people and you know that it did feel it felt a little uh silly to to be called out on the modifications that i did and just why would i why would i step on my career and my my uh just why would i do that to myself and to my name and and so this this is an effort to just fix it as as much as you can you can't really fix stuff like that but Try to make it right, but uh, the reason I was happy to take out the beautiful patch that was in there is because with my relationship with Stefan, uh, that's been going on for four and a half years now, um, uh, I've been able to get some game worn items from him. I've got, I've got a lot of his rookie uh, items. I've got uh, the pre pre game warm up set. Um, I've got. You know, his jumper that he wore. I've got game-worn shorts, and I have uh, a game-worn jersey of his uh, from his rookie year. And, and the jersey itself had a couple of little problems with it. It wasn't as pristine as some of the other stuff I had, so I was willing to, to cut that jersey. And uh, I took I took what I felt was the best part of the, the stitching and lettering, and I used the game-worn uh, that was a gift from Steph to me and put it in that card. So it's still a game-worn, still authentic, and that, that was uh, what I did there.
0: And that, to me, that's um, it's kind of makes the whole thing ironic because the, the jerseys that Panini used were photo shoot jerseys. So, you know, in our hobby, we put a, a huge emphasis on game-worn stuff and we hate photo shoot stuff. You know, that's what a lot of people will say. And um, you have, <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, the only Steph Curry National Treasures RPA now with a game-worn piece in it, which, you know, it, definitely looking at it from a different approach. And I'm not advocating what you did, obviously, but um, I just think when, when all of that comes full circle, that just kind of blew my mind that, wow, you, you actually, you know, you had the access to him and you had that game-worn piece. Um, I do think that's kind of cool. Now, speaking of access, I ask a question in you, – you referenced one of my earlier podcasts where um, you know I was talking about, well, why didn't you just get Curry to sign it again since you have access to him? And I've seen plenty of pictures of you with him, so I have no doubts that you have access to him. Um, what was your line of thinking there?
1: Yeah, the, the reason that I, I – when I bought that card – I knew I, you know, the price I bought it for was nineteen thousand, well under market for other ones that are in in good shape. And I I noticed at Beckett that the longer I submitted cards to them, and in short time, I do have resources and I have some time. And so, in short time, I did I had a thousand submissions uh, to Beckett, and I was becoming that customer. Um, and the longer I had the uh, rapport with. I, I didn't ever ask anyone to give me a better grade. I, I didn't even put a minimum grade on it when I sent it in. Um, but I just noticed that the kinder I was to my rep and the more rapport I had, it seemed like my grades started to come in better. And so I just noticed, I thought, well, if it's a nine, I can put a better patch in it. I can clean the signature up because I'm gifted with my hands and I understand how that would. Could be done, and so I I just looked at that signature and knew I could make it better. And I liked the signature because it was an original rookie signature, Mm -hmm. and I did just it was it was just it had some flaws, and I I knew I could remove the flaws. And for my personal collection, it would look better in the case. It would have a better it would have a real game worn patch uh, from Stefan, and that came from him to me so that meant even more so this car to me was one i didn't really ever want to give up i didn't really want to sell it a lot of people think i did but and that's okay for them to think that but i want it for me uh, and i just wanted it to be better so so i cleaned up that signature now i can i could erase it and i'm going to be with stefan this saturday uh, just in a few days i'm going to be with him Uh, he's in la he's doing rehab right now and we've been in touch and he's close to me, and he's invited me to come up. So I'm going to see him. So I've got this rookie signature. I could swipe it clean and have him re-sign it. His new signature, his modern signature, is has a little less uh, detail to it, in my opinion. And so that's the reason I didn't just swipe it first the original time. It might be the best thing to do because then it has an authentic, non-modified signature but uh, you know I'd be curious what people think I should do there Um, but I do have access to that and that could still be done
0: yeah that's an interesting choice and and, um, you know Blaine and I were were joking on a a previous call I said you know with the internet there's no right move so there's always you know a, a faction of people are going to say no you should leave it as is other people will say you should erase it and, you know, at the end of the day, if he's not selling it, it is his card. Um, so I, I am curious to see what you do with that. And as um, you know, I would say definitely document whatever happens because, um, you know, it'd be awesome yeah. to see, you know, what if Stephs you know, does resign it. It'd be kind of cool to see that and have that as part of the story of this piece going forward and, and to be able to document that. Um, you mentioned Beckett in yeah. there. Uh, And I talked to Jeremy Murray from Beckett. He wouldn't tell me, you know, what happened on your side. And and that kudos to him. You know, that's very professional of him. Um, So he told me to to just find you out so far, find out from you. What did Beckett tell you after all of this?
1: So what ended up happening? And and I know I came off very unwise. And a lot of people would think that guy is an absolute fool. Uh, But what I realized is once it came out, that if I didn't contact Beckett first, it would be worse on me than if, and I knew, uh, it's just only a matter of time until a handful of people would contact Beckett and let him know that, that I had modified a card and didn't inform him, and that's against Beckett's policies, and so what I did is um, the next morning after the, the, the repost where I did say it was modified, um, and when I called out Beckett and said I'm, I'm doing this as a vigilante as a hero someone to let the industry know that Beckett needs to track their serial numbers and anyway, that was that, as I said just a, a You know a silly way to try to save face But what I did is I sent I sent an email to my rep and I just I told her what what I had done And I said I'm happy to do anything that you need to make it right including, you know surrender the card uh, whatever whatever you guys need, whatever Beckett needs, and so then I got um, an email, I think three, four days later, and they said, thank you for informing us, we've also been informed by other sources of what happened, um, and then I, could you please get on the phone with us, so then I spoke to them on the phone, and I, I spoke to Derek, the manager there, and he was very professional, very um, cool with me, and kind of, you know, did what other people did, shook his head at why I would do that but at the same time, he said, listen we we need to get that card back um, for now, we don't know what we're going to do with it, you've given us the option to do what we want with it, but we need the card back and we need to get it out of our case Um, and it, it can't have our authentication on it, if it has been modified, and you've you've clearly said it's been modified, and so we need that back. And so I next dated to him. I, I mailed it to him next day, he, he got it, he contacted me, he said, thank you, we'll be in touch. A Couple weeks later, um, they, they went back and forth, had other questions, they said, listen, the card is yours, we're sending the card back to you outside of our case. And um, because you did call us out, um, you did hurt our brand and therefore we can't have you do any more submissions. And I had about, I think 600 cards with them at the time that had not finalized grading. They sent those back to me ungraded. They sent, they sent this rookie card back to me and, uh, they, they terminated my ability to submit, uh, to them, uh, something tells me that that won't last forever. And that maybe even this effort will cause them to change their minds. And absolutely, did I learn? You know, what I don't want to do is modify something and not tell everyone up front. So if I ever did modify a card again, because I can do it and I'm good at it, I don't have plans to do it. But if I did, the old patch would be there, the picture of the jersey would be there, the the information that everyone needs to know what I did to a card would all be. Disclosed up front, and so if, if Beckett ever did grade another one for me, it would have altered on it, um, and people would know what they're what they're getting. So that's something I'm I've chosen to do moving forward
0: with the hobby. Right, and I think that's a good move. Um, you know, we talked about irony already. The the irony, you know, you mentioned that you kind of threw Beckett out there as a you know you know to cover and as a vigilante to get the serial numbers tracked. Well, the irony is, is that your actions actually in a roundabout way, what you did to that card led to the serial numbers being tracked. And we, we've got confirmation of that now. Um, You know, we're looking for more details still, but yeah, they've told us, yes, you know, this has in a way led to the serial numbers being tracked. So I thought that was interesting as well. Um, I want to be respectful of your time here. I know you don't have a lot of time left. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple more things here. Um, First off, you've already shown, you know, you, you've expressed remorse a number of times. Um, you talked about how it has affected your family as well. Um, just overall, what are, what are your takeaways from this and what, what advice would you give to other people out there who are maybe, um, thinking about similar actions?
1: Well, I think we all, for the most part, uh, live outstanding lives and this is kind of a hobby. And, um, You know, when I, when I wondered if I was going to be in any legal trouble, I, I reached to, um, my legal team and, and said, here's what's happened and what, what are my risks and, you know, where's this going to go? And right now, um, if, if you deface money or if you change, uh, certain things, there's heavy laws around it. Um, but in the card realm, you know, um, one of the authors that, that looked at it, one of the lawyers that, that, uh. We read some, some things said that it's the it's the crime to commit, um, because there's a lot of consequence. But I uh, I disagree with that. I, I don't think it's a crime that you should commit. Um I learned from it the hard way. And I would just invite everybody to learn with me instead of on your own. And you know, luckily I had the character and um I made the effort to, to to make restitution, to to make things right, both with Beckett and, you know, with, with the community, the card-collecting community. I know that what I did to the card didn't hurt its value. I know the value's probably gone up. It's now a famous card. It's more famous than it ever was. It's more beautiful than it's ever been, Um And it may be back in Stefan's hands here real soon with with a new signature on it. And if that does happen, we'll absolutely keep you up to date on it. But at the end of the day, if you're going to modify something that you own for your own collection or for yourself, that I think uh, I can live with. But if you're going to modify it to make profit or to deceive other people or to sound like you pulled a miracle card when you didn't, uh, that's going to bite you. It's going to come back. It's going to hurt you. And uh, ultimately, one way or the other, you're gonna have to pay some price. And I didn't like what I had to pay, and I'm just glad to try to make restitution now.
0: And I really appreciate you coming on. Um, one more question for you. I, I actually, this was something I didn't know had anything to do with you uh, or in you know in some way. I posted a picture a while ago, or maybe a month ago on my Instagram. That had a Curry uh, Steph Curry tops black rookie that was a BGS four point five, and then the same Curry rookie that was later graded as a BGS nine. And in you know I posted that message saying like you know what is going on with this card? Does anyone have any information about this card? And you messaged me. Uh, Now you didn't know about the previous. You didn't know about the four point five from what I understand. But you actually now. You showed me a picture of the card in a BGS 8.5 holder, and it's signed. So that, it it was kind of all came full circle to me that it was you, too, that had that. Um, So tell me a little bit about that card.
1: Yeah. um, You know, like I said, I want whatever rare rookies I can get, especially of Stefan. And I have the rare opportunity to occasionally get those signed. And so I I didn't know that it was previously graded at a, what you said, 4.5. Yeah and i bought it i think i paid over three thousand dollars for it and and i bought the card and then i i I took it out of the case because i was going to see stefan and i wanted him to sign it when i took it out of the case i did see at the top left of of his forehead the card had been bent a little bit um it was a clean card I, i couldn't see that on the ebay listing when i bought it i obviously felt comfortable with the the 9 grade that it was in pretty good shape and so then when I saw that the card was bent I'm like wow I wonder how this is going to go um, I still want to get it signed it's still a rare card and so and, and you have to turn the light just right to see it but you can see it if you do so anyway I, I took it to Stefan got it signed and he, he gave it a blue, beautiful signature one of his modern signatures and uh, I sent it in to uh, BAS and 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 they authenticated the signature, and they came back at the 8.5. I don't know if they saw the flaw or not, um, but that uh, that card is now in my possession, and it's interesting to know that you know I was victim in that setting of somebody regrading a card and finding a better grade and selling it for more than they would have if I would have you know I would have still bought the card at 4.5 if it was on the market when I was in the industry, but. Yeah, so I've got it, and it's in my collection, and you're welcome to share the pictures I, I sent to you of the, of the signature and the new grade.
0: And it really is a, a beautiful-looking signature, too. For those of you that um, know, you know, Steph's signature variations well, there's like a, he has a quick in-person free version, and then he has a like a really nice, you know, personalized kind of sit-down version, um, and he did, he gave Blaine a really nice version here. All right. Um, so I, I do want to wrap up here, Blaine, once again, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, it's up to me to, you know, figure out what I think it's up to the listener to figure out what they think, but I wanted them to hear from you. They don't have to agree with everything that you said. Um, you know, they don't have to believe everything that you said, but, um, I wanted them to hear from you. I really appreciate you coming on. That means a lot to me. And I hope that means a lot to the card community as well.
1: Well, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, there were goals I had, and I think you wanted to let the community know where the card is, what its status is, what the updates are, and what happened. You know, and and now everyone knows that. But I appreciate most uh, the opportunity to to bring to light uh, what was bothering me, and uh, thank you so much for giving me that chance, Kyle. All
0: right, thank you. All right. So once again, thanks to Blaine for coming on to talk about this Curry card and that entire situation. Uh, my goal of the conversation wasn't to take aim at him and pick everything apart that he said. Uh, in fact, the first time I talked to him on the phone, I-, I was very blunt with whatever parts of his story that I agreed with and didn't, but I wanted to give him some space to at least attempt to do the right thing and talk through you know, what that even might look like. What is the right thing? You know, We don't have a handbook for this in the hobby. And when it comes to people messing up bad and, and doing corrupt things, I think this is something that we as collectors and the collecting community, we're still struggling to navigate. You know, do these people get cast out for good? Do they have a safe place to give their side of the story? Is there some way they can regain our trust? And I don't know the answers to all of these questions, but I do appreciate him taking the time to talk with me and maybe influence my thinking as well. And now I'd like to hear from you guys. Maybe you have some points to make that I ignored for one reason or another. Maybe you have some answers to these questions. Maybe you have some experiences of your own that could help. Let me know on my Instagram, which is Podcast, or my Twitter, which is PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.